going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at Will Paul Evan on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. First episode of the week, obviously had no Monday recap pod. gave uh, gave everybody an extra couple days to digest a beautiful, uh, beautiful weekend. If you're a Jets fan, almost was perfect. If the refs didn't screw them, uh, the refs screwing the Jets somehow always going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, you know, in uh, in the case of the Rams, Steelers, and Browns Colts game, the Jets got a little hosed. But uh, from a standings perspective, but Miami loses the game. The Buffalo Bills lose to the lowly New England Patriots. And the Jets are suddenly a half game back of the Bills and a game and a half back of Miami, who both have much harder schedules than the Jets the rest of the year. So a lot of good things. We're recording this Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Uh, just for context, obviously trade deadline um, before next week. But this week, a lot of stuff may happen. Uh, we're going to talk a little trade deadline with Brad Spielberger here in his weekly spot. Trade deadline, we'll talk a little Jets-Giants. Um, before a couple episodes remaining the rest of the week, it'll be heavy into the Jets Giants. Brad, A, how we doing? And B, I don't know if we talked McCall Hardman trade much last week. Um, it kind of seemed like that was the most obvious trade of all time. Flopping, flopping day three picks for a guy that uh, is going right back to where he came from. No, for sure. Uh, doing well. Obviously, want some more action, but I do think we're going to get it here in the next 48 hours or so before uh, this weekend's games. Not that these guys might play in the games, but just get them in, get them a 10 day, you know, ramp up for next week. So, yeah, the Harbin trade obviously made all the sense in the world. You know, get rid of about a million dollars in the books, and you feel as though you have a Hardman replacement already in Xavier Gibson. You know, you could quabble with that notion, but there's no reason to hang on to a veteran uh, with more money. Send it back to where, you know, where he came from. Uh, obviously, made an impact for, you know, for the Chiefs, which is great which is cool uh but i think it just made all the sense in the world to just cut ties and move on yeah he looked he did not look as cool in in 12 i have to say looked a little uh did not look quite as uh aesthetically pleasing i want to kind of touch base you know obviously the bye week we talked a little bit i kind of referenced it there could this week have gone better for the jets from a games around them perspective i mean we talked about it them being a playoff team i've said the division's still on the table but it was like they need some things to happen they had two things happen that needed too badly and um especially new england beating buffalo that was a huge one that like you don't account for that game at all um how big was that for the jets i guess from a jets perspective staying in the mix here huge it's huge i think you know getting buffalo to lose to new england obviously i think bigger than you know miami losing on the road to philadelphia but hey i mean the jets just beat philadelphia so uh you know a team you can beat I think it's massive because I have legitimate concerns about the Buffalo Bills, and we saw it. I mean, Mac Jones had one of the best games of his career, drive 75 yards on you in, like, windy conditions, not even favorable offensive conditions in that game, and carves you up. And I think they're secondary – not even just the injuries at corner, but two 30 plus year old safeties. You have linebackers that are 24 and under uh, that I actually think are making like some nice plays here and there, but we know how tough that position can be early on and how much you can put that position in conflict uh, with, with a solid offensive game plan. So that was massive. I, I like, look, the bills are going to be fine. The offense will figure things out, but I, I don't view them as some, like, you know, I, we did a ranking of top five teams in the AFC on our podcast. I think I put them fifth and like trending in the wrong direction. And I think jets are, sixth or seventh like you know as of right now like they're they're in in my opinion the same boat um Miami 
I, I I don't think Miami, like, I had concerns with them playing from behind. And obviously, you know, Tua threw the paper airplane in the right corner of the end zone to kind of close this game out. Uh, but I actually do think they had some nice plays. When they were down 17-3 and Tua threw, like, a third and 18 strike to Cedric Wilson and then had that beautiful touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. Like, you know, I, I gained some respect for them. But again, they're going to have issues when they have to play in bad game scripts. Whenever we see it this year, we've seen it twice. You know, they've, they've lost in convincing fashion. So, yeah, good, good week for the Jets. Uh, injury updates as we're speaking now. Salad just spoke to the media. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed still have not cleared concussion protocol. Um, and it might go all the way up to game day. I don't want to be that guy. I'm very concerned on the DJ Reed perspective more than even Sauce. He's now been out with a concussion for almost three weeks. And, like, no one even knew he got a concussion during the game. It wasn't like some big hit. He didn't leave the game. That's concerning. Um, we'll see what happens. It could just be a logistics perspective. I talked about this yesterday on the the pod with Zach Rosenblatt on his pod that, um, you know, when you until you practice and clear those things, you're not going to clear those hurdles. But that is definitely concerning. Uh, Sauce Gardner also not clearing. Very confusing coming from what I heard. It was, you know, was something that was a little bit of a logistics perspective uh, on the concussion, um, you know, missing the game in terms of not having time to clear protocol and, you know, travel to Vegas or whatever for a Twitch convention. So, like, a little concerning there. And then Joe Tittman, not practicing it with a quad. Randall Cobb with a shoulder, uh, not practicing. Cobb, obviously, we expect to limit his reps with Gibson uh, being back to full health here. Um, and obviously, trading McCole Hardman. Should I be – am I crazy? Like, it's a little concerning that both these guys now are still not cleared. Um, I'm not concerned as of today, but the fact that Salah's saying it might go up till game day is definitely a little, uh, a little dicey here. It is. And I think, you know, it's obviously a good thing for the league to take these things more seriously. And, and you get a little bit, you know, concerned when it goes on multiple weeks. You know, Bears running back Roshan Johnson, you know, is, has now been out for two and a half weeks, got dinged up in the Thursday game against Washington and still has not practiced it, practiced either. I think maybe today could be a first practice. So, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. You know, it probably is, like we said, probably tied to the league taking these things more seriously. But but yeah, I mean, you know, these guys want to be back. We've seen guys return a week later. So it's not like, you know, it's, it's you know, adhere to, to different principles and things like that. The Jets aren't messing around. Um, it, it is weird though. The sauce one was so weird where he even tweeted like he didn't even feel different or notice anything. I think they could work their way back in. Maybe they just wanted to give them as much maximum rest as humanly possible. Um, and then, you know, they'll get a, they'll get a Friday in or whatever and, and be good to go. Let's uh, let's certainly hope there the jets as much as uh, you know, they did well against Philly with Adam. Um, they're two of their four or five best defensive players. They, they need to be on the field. Let's talk a little bit more trades, you know, here um, from a jets point of view, from an outgoing perspective, um, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Uh, what do you expect to happen, I guess, over the next uh, five and a half days or so here? Yeah, I, I think we'll go back to Carl Lawson, who we talked about. I think he's going to get moved. I think, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, Las Vegas Raiders, Cleveland Browns, probably the teams I would throw at the top of that list right now. I'm sure there's some others calling. Uh, it sounds like the edge rusher market has been very, very active across the NFL from what I've been, you know, what I've been hearing. Um, and, and I think we will see some moves there starting to, to trickle down. So, yeah, I think he is going to get moved. You alluded to kind of the Hunter Renfro, Carl Lawson swap, and a lot of people suggesting that, yeah, maybe. You know, I think it does help both teams. I would agree with you where the Jets might even get, you know, a kicker. Not going to be anything great, but, you know, get a sixth and Hunter Renfro for Lawson and a seventh, something like that, just because I do think Lawson carries more value right now. And obviously the salary is neutralized. So, so yeah, I think the Jets are interested in wide receivers, um, I could see Terrace Marshall, who I think we talked about. Um, I could see him being on their radar as well. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I, I think they're going to do something before, you know, Halloween. 
Yeah. In terms of Lawson, you mentioned it there. Uh, we talked about potentially, you know, the run for a swap. What would be the expected? I know you kind of wrote about it, uh, you know, for PFF last week, I believe. What would the expected compensation be? Because as much as a lot of Jets fans are like, oh, Carl's not really done much this year. Um, obviously, we know edge rusher. You just go for more than probably you're worth. Uh, what's that market kind of look like? And maybe what can fans expect in the general range, I guess, of, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what Lawson may go for regardless of, you know, salary and this year's performance? There is not only do you tend to get maybe a little bit of extra value with the deadline for edge rushers, just because, you know, it's a hard position to find and, and they carry a ton of value. But I think this season in particular, you look across the NFL at a lot of the contenders and they don't, I mean, I mentioned Atlanta, we probably wouldn't consider Atlanta contender, but their edge rush group is as bad as anyone's, you know, throwing the Rams. Uh, throwing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think desperately need to add another edge defender. Like we could sit here and rattle like seven, eight playoff teams or likely playoff teams. And I think all of them, uh, you know, need more off the edge. So I think that certainly helps. All that said, I mean, look, Lawson comes back last year from the injury. It was great. 49 pressures, eight sacks, you know, great of you know, 74 pass rush grade. I think like he was good. Like you said, obviously not playing this year, a little bit dinged up, but I think you get a fifth round pick and maybe because of all that I just talked about, let's say Brian Burns doesn't get moved. Let's say Montez Sweat doesn't get moved. Let's say a lot of those premier guys don't get moved. Maybe if there are enough desperate teams, you get, you know, Lawson and a sixth for a fourth or something like that, where you, you know, potentially get a legit top 125 pick, which, which would be great. Yeah. We, we've seen it. Uh, we saw the Jets do this, something similar with Elijah Moore, um, you know, as, as, you know, soon as about five or six months ago, attaching, you know, Elijah Moore and a day, a late day two pick to get a better day, three, uh, early day two pick to, you know, put in the Rogers or at least didn't put it in the Rogers deal. They traded the other one, but in terms of Dalvin cook, there doesn't really seem, I, I don't, <clears throat> I personally wouldn't move Dalvin cook. I don't really see the purpose. Um, he's looked a little bit better the last couple of weeks. He's a guy that, you know, if Rogers does come back, maybe, maybe you get some extra motivation from Dalvin. I don't know what it is. Um, and also I just, don't think he's been their second worst running back. I mean, I don't think he's been their worst running back. I think there's Michael Carter who's been worse. Um, I don't see Dalvin getting moved, and I also don't see the Jet. Like, it just doesn't seem like that'd be like a McCole Hardman trade. Like, you send him back to Minnesota for a seventh, uh, you know, a six round pick. Like, that's, I just don't see the running back market. It's not going to be hot as it is, let alone for a guy that's making decent chunk of change and, you know, is not playing his best football. I don't really get it either. I think you know, the last thing you mentioned, the only reason why the Jets maybe want to do it is just to save cash. You know, we've talked about them, top three in cash spending in the NFL this year, projected next year to be top seven or, or so, I want to say. And obviously, you know, things can move around. But that, I'm guessing, is the only motivation. And if your only motivation is to save like $2.5 million or whatever, you know, maybe three and a half, um, you know, if you add in the per-game bonuses and the salary – like that's not enough of a move to just get rid of your number two running back, right? You know, like Brees has been awesome, but you never know. Like you said, I think J Michael Carter, you know, just just fundamentally is you know missing holes at times and not waiting for holes to develop. And kind of, I saw a couple couple snaps of him just kind of running like too early and not being patient. Look, Dalvin's not the same guy from Minnesota in 2019. He he is a veteran, knows what he's doing. You know, can stay on schedule. I know his, his start was not great. And lastly, the win against Philadelphia, I think, is massive, right? I mean. You're now three and three. You go into the bye. Rodgers is obviously spreading optimism. Like as annoying as it might be to be like, hey, why is he causing a, a, a ruckus after going two and three? Like yeah, Dalvin wants to go to a contender. He made that very clear the entire offseason. But if you're looking more like one, then maybe he's, you know, maybe he's chilling out. In terms of um, anything else we could see the Jets kind of being in on, 
is it really just that receiver market? Lael Collins is something that makes a ton of sense. He's a guy who's played guard, obviously played tackle. He's a free agent. That's not going to cost you draft capital. It feels like the Jets are kind of in a, a we'll get some guys back and that'll be our, I hate when the Yankees do this. It's the most annoying shit of all time. It's like, oh, we're getting these guys back. It's like we acquired them via trade. It's like, no, they were already on your roster, asshole. But um, sorry, I have a lot of anger towards Brian Cashman at the, at the moment. Um, more importantly, though, is this a situation where the Jets go, oh, we're going to get, you know, eventually we're going to get Tittman, Sauce, Reed, uh, Hardy, Eccles, and those guys back, and that'll be our big moves, and we'll activate Gibson more in the, the past game, and Jason Brownlee will play. Like, that's our trade deadline. Is that what they're hoping for? Because I, I know a line's a tough market, but, like, what's the harm in signing Aleo Collins and, unless he's not actually healthy? And then, B, as you mentioned, a receiver, like, I'd like to see Jason Brownlee, but, like, is – that going to be your division? Is, is he the difference in you winning the division and missing the playoffs? Like I, I don't, I'm not sure. I totally buy that either. I think there's a there's probably a decent chance they're at least making calls on offensive line. Like you said, it's a very hard position to trade for because if teams have decent ones, even swing guards or swing tackles, like they're not giving up on those guys. So Lyle Collins makes a ton of sense. Can play inside, can play outside. The one trade name I would mention. And the Vikings winning against San Francisco, I think, changes the entire complexion of what they want to do the rest of the year because they also have six like easy games coming up now. They might be leading the NFC North by the by six weeks from now. Is Ezra Cleveland in Minnesota, who I think is a scheme fit, who is also a guy that played tackle in college, is now playing left guard. Look, they signed Dalton Risner to a decent free agent deal a couple weeks into the season. He starts against the Niners and I thought played phenomenally in his first start at that left guard position. So... Again, Minnesota might say, yeah, he might not start for us anymore, but why would we trade a, a very capable backup guard that also probably could play right tackle on a pinch um, or, or left tackle? Frankly, it wouldn't go great, but it's possible. That's maybe one name, but you know, I would be I would be more bullish on that if they were two and five, not three and four. And then lastly, um, the one thing I wanted to kind of get your opinion on, obviously, you see a lot of talk if if you're a pro Jets person, if you you're kind of buying into the Jets stock, you're saying Look at the create turnovers. Look at the pressure rate. Look at the sacks. Look at the way the front seven's playing. Look at all the analytics. ESPN's kind of, they have their receiver score um, in terms of open score. They also have the defensive version. The Jets are by far cover the best of any team in the NFL. They're ranked the second best defense analytically by every PFF metric. The Jets are a top three defense, if not higher than that. Obviously, then you look at yards per game, things like that. If you're a guy that doesn't believe in the Jets, you're going to say turnovers, you know, aren't, it's hard to, they fluctuate. And secondly, the Jets give up, you know, they're 22nd ranked yards per game. First of all, yards per game is the stupidest stat in football at this point. Can you get off the field in third down? Can you get pressure with four? Can you turn the ball over? And are you good in the red zone? The Jets are excellent at all four of those. Those are the only things that really matter on defense. It's the same thing on offense. Can you convert on third down? Can you score in the red zone? Do you limit turnovers and do you create explosive plays? Like that's the way, that's what the NFL has come down to. I guess, what did I miss there? And B, like, where do you side with this Jets defense? I know you said they're playing as good as any front seven in football. Like, how do you kind of weigh the the traditional stats versus more maybe some of the metrics and kind of things that matter? It seems like a little bit more in today's NFL. If you're using yards per game as a definition of what a defense is, good or bad, you're wasting everyone's time, including your own. It's irrelevant. It could not be more relevant. Um, a lot of things you just touched on. So they are eighth in success rate, which is, you know, on each individual play, are they allowing the opposing team to stay ahead of schedule, stay, you know, 
trying to get a first down. So it's, I think it's 60% of yards needed on first down. I think 40% on second down and, and, you know, getting the first down on third down. I want to say is how it works. Maybe it's 40, 60, hundred, not anyway, top 10 there. They're also top 10 in red zone conversion rate allowed. So, you know, th- this is a bend don't break type of scheme. You know, this cover three does that a lot, not just in Robert Sala's usage. And again, top 10 in red zone conversion rate. And then look, turnovers are random and there is a lot of variance. However, when you can are top five in pressure rate, when you only send four players, meaning you are getting pressure and also have more coverage players, you're going to generate more turnovers, you know, even within the construct of variance and randomness. So, no, this is a top five defense in the NFL. There is no question in my mind about that. Um, and, and yards per game is is dumb. <laughs> yeah, I just I keep seeing I've seen that floated on some some more of the national shows like, oh, like the Jets aren't good in yards per game. It's like. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like that that's not really how that's not what I've watched. Like, cool, you let team go down the field uh between the twenties. The Jets are as good as I think they were second in the NFL um at one point in terms of red zone stopping teams, holding them to a field goal versus creating a turnover or uh you know a touchdown. Last thing here, obviously, you know, I'll touch on more in Jets Giants, obviously, as we get deeper into the week. There's a lot of injuries. JMS and Andrew Thomas look like they're gonna return. I would be shocked if Daniel Jones plays. Um He's still not cleared for contact. It's already it's Wednesday. If he's if he's not practicing tomorrow, I, you know whatever he's not clear for contact. I'm not sure how you're going to put him out there. What are you kind of expecting just from a you know three thousand foot view on Sunday? I know a lot of Giants fans will say, oh, you know this is typical Jets. Like a lot of momentum the last couple of years, they've come out of the bye and looked horrible. Both the games that we were against the Patriots and we know Zach Wilson against the Patriots is a recipe for disaster. So we probably should have expected that. Uh, Jets fans will say like the Giants for this big resurgence still lost to the Bills and beat the Commanders 14 to 7 in the game they definitely shouldn't have won like I, I guess where do you stand on this game because I, I kind of feel like it's obvious but I guess it's a lot better to, for talking point for WFAN and ESPN radio to to hype up the Giants to make this more interesting game yeah so I'll say this and it is partly facetious but it frankly isn't uh, if I was the Jets I'd probably rather play Daniel Jones and I'm not just trying to be a dick like I actually feel that way uh I- I mean, Tyrod Taylor looked, he didn't have a great second half against Washington, but he has been pushing the ball downfield. He has been avoiding sacks and turnovers. And that alone, I think, makes him an upgrade, at least right now. I'm not saying long term or anything, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty simple. I mean, this, this, this offensive line might be the worst in the NFL for the Giants. I do love Andrew Thomas. I think he's a very good player. I think John Michael Schmitz will be a good player eventually, but right now he is a guy you can beat up as a pass rusher on the interior. Like 24 year old injury prone uh, college center. It's- Never yeah, mind. yeah, exactly. I know that was getting mocked in the first round endlessly. Uh, you know, uh, so like I think Quinn Williams is going to have his way with it. Like, there's no issue there for me. Um, so, so that's the thing. A lot of pressure without blitzing. You will probably get some balls put in harm's way. You know, Tyra hasn't turned the ball over yet, but but he is going to throw a couple turnover worthy passes. So yeah, that side of the ball I think should be great. I do think, however, the Giants' defense has turned a corner. I think they played well the last three weeks now, including the Seattle game. They got blown out and looked like they played poorly. They allowed like what seventeen offensive points because there was the pick six. Yeah, one was a short field. It's really like that ten point. Yeah, true, true. No, you're right. So so yeah, look, they're they're, they're going to blitz. You know, second highest rate in the NFL behind the Vikings right now. They are going to send pressure. I don't like looking at Zach Wilson stuff because I think this year is a different player. He's not actually terrible uh, against the blitz. Uh, I mean, I guess relative to kind of where he stacks up in other metrics from 2021 to 2022. Um, but I think it forced him to get the ball out quickly sometimes, which, you know, obviously can be a good thing for him. Um, so I do have concerns there. But at the end of the day, like, they're going to need to send extra players. And if you just tell Zach, just throw into the blitz, just get the ball out quickly, 
their corners are young, and I like Deontay Banks, the prospect, but he's not looking great so far. So yada, yada, yada. I think it comes down to, you know, if you score 20 points, you're going to win this football game. It's funny. The Vikings put to the highest rate, and they have the worst cover score in the NFL. They have a one, a legitimate one uh, in cover <laughs> score. If It's out of 100, so um, not great. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, I'll talk more about this later on in the week, but I think it's got to utilize the screen game. The Jets have actually run screens at a decently high rate. They did a lot of success against Buffalo. Um, I'd run a Kayvon Thibodeau over and over and over and over again. He is a guy that his motor is not his specialty. He's not uberly athletic and he's not super twitchy. So like if you can get outside of him, I just have Jeremy Ruckert hitting him nonstop the entire game. And like, that's a great matchup in my, at least on the surface, Becton has been really good against guys that like Hassan Riddick's a horrible matchup for most guys and Bryce Hoff and those type of players. Um, the bigger bulkier, like Carl's done really well. I mean, uh, Makai did a really has a lot of success against the miles Garrett's and the Nick and Joey boast is the guy that like guys that want to beat you with a lot of power. Like no one's beating Makai with power. So um, no. I'm, I'm very interested to see that matchup. I, I think, you know, again, screen games, getting linebackers one-on-one -on -one with Tyler Conklin getting Garrett Wilson, in some advantageous situations, um, I think the Giants defense is good. I just don't, I don't think they tackle super well and you can use your aggressiveness against them. But again, Zach Wilson can't revert back into like cradling in the pocket when he starts to feel it, get the ball out of your hands to your, you know, your hots and your reads and things like that. Um, and then you mentioned on defense, like get pressure with four, like Bryce off against Joshua Zudu is probably the biggest mismatch you'll see in football this year. If that gets yeah. happened. So like take advantage of it. And the most important thing, I know Connor Rogers talks a lot about this on Badlands. The Jets in the first two drives every game come out on defense and totally miss their their rush lanes are all over the place because they're just trying to kill somebody. Can we like have like a discipline like first or second drive here? Because like Quincy Williams is gonna and Saquon Barkley is a fun matchup, Mosley and all these different guys. Like, you don't worry about the defense at all. It's just the don't almost come out like, oh, this is such an easy matchup. Cause that's when the screen game, some of the halfback draws, things like that, Dable can get a little creative. Um, last two things. Quickly, I guess score prediction for Sunday if you have one. And do we get a Jets trade this week? Yes or no? We'll get a Jets trade. Uh that's a yes. Uh it's gonna be Carl Austin and I'll say I'll say Carl Austin to the Browns. Why not? Uh and then I'm gonna say I kind of just alluded to it. I'll say twenty to thirteen. Like that's that's my score. It's gonna be low scoring, uh for sure. I'm leading twenty three to twelve Jets. I, I feel like the Giants kick up both field goals and um it's a comfortable but like close enough game that you kind of have to watch the entire time uh, right, with your right, heart and mouth a little agreed. bit. Um, yeah. Appreciate obviously hopping on as always. Make sure you guys are following Brad obviously for throughout this trade deadline in terms of questions with compensation, how thing, how these deals are going to kind of work themselves out in the future. Um, good article up on PFF. Already nailed the Kevin Byard one and compensation there. So um, on a good streak. Hopefully uh, you nail Lawson and uh, and we'll go from there. Love it. Sounds good.